Do you like Dungeons and Dragons? Do you like monsters? Do you like Dungeons and Dragons and monsters? Then we've got a show for you. Kill Every Monster is a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons podcast. In each episode, we are joined by a guest to discuss the lore, mechanics, and story potential of classic D&D creatures. We debate tactics, and we talk about how to maximize these monsters both in combat and in your stories. And then we ask the very important question, is this even really a monster? To learn more about the show, head on over to killeverymonster.com. And we'll see you next time for Kill Every Every Monster. You know things, I know some too. Sit right down the fem, explain them to you. If there's a thing you want to explain, these two feminists can entertain. Nerdy stuff, sexy stuff, so much to know. Tune in for the Femsplain Show. Femsplain! Hi, Avalon. Hello, listeners. Oh, whoa, I don't get a hello this time. It's just straight to the listeners. I'm going to leave it up to the listeners for if they want to say hello. Oh, okay. After what you did. Are there sore feelings? Mm-hmm. Do we maybe have a little bit of sore feelings because your theory didn't pan out? Oh, <laughs> no, I was just being sassy, but I feel like my theory definitely panned out. It did not. I did two separate polls. Oh, a- no, no, no. I'm sorry. My theory that the internet is Diana werewolf simping <laughs> definitely <laughs> played out. Okay. All right. Yeah. That theory might have played out. Yeah. However, this was not a situation like our Little Mermaid uh, kerfuffle where I won the argument, but everyone else truly agreed with you. Yes. This was much worse. This was people didn't even care enough about the argument or the podcast to actually pay attention <laughs> to what happened. I I do. People caught on to your carefully selected questions (laughs) like quantity of media over quality of media i didn't i didn't say over quality of media you specifically chose quantity of media that's because i could only have five categories i could come back with quality too i guess (laughs) I'm just saying it was the the deck was stacked in favor of vampire, but I came out on top. Okay. I think that <laughs> if anything, that just ended up being a very clear popularity contest. I it was like I the- shared No no no. I shared <laughs> nothing from my mm-hmm. Twitter account. Only from Femsplain's Twitter. This won't mean anything to you, but okay. there's a season. <laughs> Of RuPaul's Drag Race, where someone truly horrible is a contestant. Okay. And who I guess has redeemed themselves since then. I don't know. But at the time was horrible. But they had such a rabid internet following that they won Miss Congeniality, which was bullshit because they were not nice and everyone knew it. And that's how I feel. (laughs) 
I feel like you are, you are Valentina. I, <laughs> I feel like I should be properly offended. I don't know who Valentina is, uh, but I am nice. And, yes, and but you also, did not deserve the win. <laughs> and werewolves are legitimately very cool. They are so cool. But vampires are better. Okay. Okay. But there's a lot of things werewolves are better than. It's just not vampires. It's just not vampires. What is... Can you just give me a couple of examples of things werewolves are better than? Werewolves are better than the swamp thing. (laughs) Okay. I was going to say the mummy, but I changed my mind. The (laughs) mummy? Like... Like well, the I don't know. concept mummies? of mummies or like the mummy well, from Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. Honestly, both of those are better. The Werewolves beat mummies as a concept, but the mummy from Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. Yeah. I think I mean, has a little bit yeah. of at least is closer in competition. I don't know if in, he wins because just like in terms of universal monsters. I guess they're better than mummies. But when you think about sort of like all of the science and culture and history that goes into mummification, I do think that is werewolf speed. Good. This is a podcast. Uh, Yeah, this is a podcast. I should have said zombies. I think werewolves are definitely cooler than zombies. Werewolves are cooler than zombies. They tried. They tried real hard to do a a zombie romance. And actually, I, I don't hate it. You love that. I know. But you love that show. But it didn't catch fire, you know? It didn't it yeah. it didn't uh, strike lightning the way that Not like Teen Wolf. Yeah. Did. Yeah. It didn't start a movement. The CW didn't pick up a bunch of other zombie romance pitches after that film, which, you know, I would have loved to have seen. You know, in iZombie, there's a Mm. side plot where there is a show that's, like, canon in that universe that's, like, the equivalent, I guess, of the Vampire Diaries or whatever, but it is about zombies. Mm. So that they can play parallels to what's happening on the show and what's happening in the show within a show. It's pretty fun. And then they, my mom, you know, had to escalate to it watch that. and turn one of the actors into a zombie and kill everyone. But I'm not watching it. No, don't. Y- you know, it's it, iZombie. iZombie season one is a real romp. Super entertaining, fun time, and Raul Coley's in it, and it, it's good. And then it's a lot of hard spirals downward really fast and really rapidly and then but if you're like me and you get invested in characters and can't let go of them until it's over you're Mm -hmm. in for like a really really rough time watching that show well werewolves are definitely better than that yeah (laughs) we can say that with confidence yes that's we can all agree this is a mm-hmm. podcast. It's called Femsplained. It yes, yes. You do know that because you have elected to listen to it on some kind of podcast platform. Yeah. 
you downloaded it and you opened it. You turned on mm-hmm. your headphones and here you are. Um, and surprise, surprise, this is the final episode. <laughs> it's because of that whole werewolf vampire thing. It really tore mm-hmm. us apart. Um, we before before we go into uh, our our homework because this is a homework episode. Um, oh. What we should we do in our nerd culture? Um, what's nerd culture done for you lately? That is the topic that we yes should segue into now, and you should take the lead on it. Okay, so here's a couple of things that nerd culture has done for me lately. It's been really cool. Uh, so. Um, number one is that I've really gotten into Kolok, which is like um, a big rabbit hole. And I'm like digging my way through all of the content that I missed from it. But it's um, it's a it's a like a, a tabletop RPG actual play. But it's different. It's not like it, it's also it's kind of like. If you took LARPing and mixed it with uh, tabletop RPGs, it kind of made me think of Queer Arcana and how they do, like, physically act out their D&D campaign in, like, a LARP style as a performance on a live stage, except this is, like, recorded in a studio live. But they're they're doing the same kind of thing where they're, like, doing, like, like cued stage effects um and everybody is completely in character there is no like jumping in and out it's it's yeah very very immersive to watch and it's very intense and it's very cool and original um what's the tone uh dark like post-apoc kind of Mm. uh vibes um so that's been a big one. I like, I like, I just like whenever people do new stuff, like kind of yeah. breaking the um, the the mold of the of this format we're in. And then um, the other big one has been so you know that uh, there's been some really transphobic like laws happening in in Texas um, and yes. things going on there. And um, and so I I got to be a part of this big bundle, which I've never done before. I've never been part of one of these before um, on itch.io where a lot of people who don't publish D&D related stuff publish their original content mm-hmm. for games. Um, and there's like a feature on that site where writers of these can like put all of their stuff into one package for one solid price and either split it evenly between all of them or donate all of it to a charity Mm -hmm. um and so 300 games were donated into this bundle um Mm -hmm. including a couple of mine and then like some like really big ones like thirsty sword lesbians and um oh uh, wander home <clears throat> and uh actually let me i i want to check what the numbers are at right now because this is all being donated to different uh trans advocacy groups in texas 
and it's, if I recall, all right, so we're at $273,000, and like, it's actually, it's it's 273888 so it's like getting close to um, getting to the like final goal, or maybe not final goal, of $300,000. Uh, and it's just been like, I don't know, it's been like really cathartic and and uh, and nice and like people from like all ends of the community have been like great about it. Like, you know, people who work for like D&D Beyond and like Matt Mercer and like mm -hmm. all of the all of the big people who are kind of not like not usually cued into the the goings on and like indie TTRPG writing, but mm -hmm. like they, they've been really supportive of it. And then like all of, you know, all of indie creators being like really celebrated for it. And like everybody just being, I don't know. It's like a nice moment in, yeah in, in time uh, amidst a lot of horrible things. So, yeah, I, I've really liked I've really liked watching this happen and watching the reactions to it and how they've been overwhelmingly positive and overwhelmingly supportive and it's just been this has been super nice. Yeah. I saw today that there is a similar initiative fundraising for Ukraine. Yeah. And I kind of wondered if it would contain the same. I, I know the point really isn't what you're getting out of it in a way. You know, you're not looking for like the best deal on the bundle package to help a human rights issue. Right. But I did kind of wonder if it made sense to do both or, um, or focus on if you were involved in the Ukraine one or if you knew anything about that one. It's really well. That's a really good question because I actually don't know if you can contribute the same. I don't have that many games, so I don't know sure. if I can contribute them to uh, more than one at once. That'd be good yeah. to look into. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the fun part is that people are like people are largely donating more than what the bundle mm -hmm. costs, like even though they don't have to. So people can get all of these games for like $5, but the average contribution is 10, which means that there are lots of people paying, you know, more than that. Of course. To, yeah. to get that down. I saw, I think like people are paying like, some people are paying like $50 to get all this, which is really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I did just see the, the one for Ukraine and I, I, actually don't know off the top of my head how it's doing but I just think it's really neat when you know people because I my in my honest opinion like indie game writers frankly like even if they're bigger don't make a mm -hmm. lot of money like off their games so to donate your work and say that like 30,000 people can have this for free because or for like basically free for 50 cents comparatively so yeah. that something good can happen is is pretty freaking cool to me. Um, like it's just it, it's a cool 
in community investment that I really like. I strongly agree. Yeah. I think it's really powerful to see um, that kind of, I guess, just sort of unity around that. Uh, I know that yeah. indie writing, self-publishing, you know, is more of a labor of love anyway. So I don't necessarily think that people are really taking a hit for maybe sales that they would have had. But I think that just the community building that's intrinsic in that is, is yeah. really important. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what it's, that's what it's done for me. What about you? Um, well, certainly not anything <laughs> with that sort of like emotional depth and significance. Um, I just had wanted us to go off a little bit because I don't think it warrants an episode on Encanto because I thought that that was a real cultural moment that we missed when we weren't recording oh gosh can i tell Mm -hmm. you about when did you when did you see it you have to recut it i i saw it pretty shortly after it came out but i know that you had already seen it because when i reached out to you about it i thought that you wouldn't have seen it yet but you had yeah yeah (laughs) very excited um did you watch is robin old enough to like kind of get some joy out of, of watching musical movies yet Robin is old enough to get some joy out of music, mm-hmm. and Robin is old enough to get some joy out of cartoon images. Okay. All right. That's cool. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's pretty He neat. likes, he definitely likes screen time, like, to the point where I have to conscious be conscious of it. Sure. But. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say that he was the motivating force for watching it. Um, but it was one of the first new release Disney films that I've seen. Yeah. Like in a timely fashion since uh, I don't even know. Like maybe up. Wow. Yeah. Or well, Brave. Probably Brave. Okay. Was the last one I watched. So <laughs> it's weird for me to have watched it. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was good. Oh my gosh. I I just remember I watched it with my friends Andre and Christian over over a Discord call the first time and I believe they both had seen it already Hmm. at the very least Andre had seen it and I I forget if Christian had or not and I just remember that like the movie ended and then we stopped it and Andre was like okay so what childhood trauma did it unlock for you (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) I was like oh yeah it was but but it was a beautiful it was a really beautiful movie. I thought it was really good. I thought that it had a weak third act. Okay. <laughs> Go on about that. Well, I just think that <laughs> not only was like the music and the character development really strong to me in the first and second act. I just feel like the stakes were different maybe than what we're used to seeing in a Disney film. Sure. And so I think that the resolution inherently wasn't going to have as strong of a payoff as like fighting a giant monster. Right, right. The You yeah. know. Well, I think I happen to think that this is especially because it's of several things including the fact that it's Lynn Manuel and also mm-hmm. because of how some of the like 
staging of this cartoon was done. I think mm-hmm. this is not a three-act Disney show. I think this is a two-act play. Like, I think this is a two, like, this is a two-act musical. Where are you putting the intermission? In uh, the Isabella song, is that it? Yeah, after, no. I think as, after, yeah? I think after Isabella's song. No, it would have to be earlier than that, I think. Mm. It would either have to be after Isabella's song or after the, or. After, I think it would be, yes. After We Don't Talk About For Now. The, the song. We okay, so it's either, I know, but there's so many like reprisals yeah. of everything in that movie. Okay, so I'm thinking. Yeah, it's either her at the moment of her regret about talking about Bruno or at the moment of like having that seance with Bruno and then realizing she has to go see Isabella. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think think, that if. Yeah, I think you're right about Bruno. Yeah. And then I think that if we do get a stage show about this, which I genuinely hope for, we'll go see. I mean. I think Probably. there's room for like one to two more songs about the about the other cousins. There's definitely room for more about the other cousins. But switching to your two act format, I'm going to say the second act is definitely to me weak compared to the first act. It doesn't have a showstopper or like a It doesn't have a showstopper. Yeah. And honestly, like I think the conflict I think there could have been more conflict. I I get that feeling, but I kind of think that that's just what we're used to from Disney films. Because I kind of really loved yeah. that the conflict was really relatable in like a it was it was focused on like the inevitable forgiveness and the inevitable like almost like. Moana did have that like sort of element of like forgiveness and stuff with the mm-hmm. with the monster at the end. There was just a big confrontation first. Like yeah. there was that kind of um, resolution. But I feel like this whole movie was geared towards like, like the journey we knew that the entire time that the end result needed to be that everybody resolved it and and forgave each other um which i liked i think i it is it doesn't feel like the it fits the formula like it absolutely is not what we're used to so it does feel a little bit like it's it's not giving us that like climax yeah in in the place that it's supposed to be i feel like that made it special and I love it on the whole. But I do feel like in terms of a captivating story structure, there was like a little bit of, there was a little fizzle when there when there could have been a firework. Yeah. Where would you have put the fizzle? The, where would you the fizzle firework? The fizzle. I think I might have had Bruno. I think that somebody's life needed to be in danger. Or I think there just needed to be some kind of a threat besides the loss of house. And loss mm. of magic. Like, I think that Bruno maybe could have, like, saved his mom. Like, maybe she was 
after the house falls down, maybe she, like, is in danger in some way. Mm. And he has to save the grandma and, like, it helps her see everybody's value. Or, like, people have to come together to solve a problem without their power besides in, like, a house-building montage. Don't you think that uh, that Mirabelle's Mirabelle's being the one that is like trying to go for um, the candle and like that is the one that is like in danger is kind of like the it keeps the focus that she is taking the torch from her grandmother that she is like the one that is inheriting this so I kind of think I can't can, this is not what this episode's about but no, I kind of it is now <laughs> but I kind of think that it's kind of uh, it's showing from the beginning that she is meant not to inherit a new power but to take over her grandmother's power Yeah, I guess maybe also it's a little unsatisfying to me that we don't have, like, a real answer for why she doesn't get a power. Because it never stops feeling like a punishment. I I disagree. I think that at the end it becomes very clear that her her grandmother is the one. Her grandmother's power, right, was that, you know, she in a time of need, she was given this sanctuary for her and, and her people. And... Mm-hmm the candle to keep the the magical house like alive and well and to bestow these gifts upon her family right but she's Mm -hmm. not gonna be around forever so what and the candle is burning out from the beginning of the movie the candle is like starting to flicker and starting to decay and starting to go out um and Someone has to be the one to take that torch. And I think it's just clear that it's got to be Mirabelle because she's the one that I think, you know, is trying to keep the family together. And in I think that that is clearly her role to fill. But I feel like the childhood trauma that the house and candle put her through in assigning her that role is not well yeah but necessary that's also well is it not necessary or is it just a metaphor for like the generational trauma that we put certain people through when in our real lives when we are passing torches down and having you know like i mean all of these roles are so relatable. The perfect daughter and like the strong one that can handle everything. And the one that's got to like be the family glue and the, you know, the, the black sheep and the, all, all of these things are just real things that people are to people in Mm -hmm. their own real families. We've just described magic powers to them in this, Mm -hmm. in this metaphor, but they're, but they're still real. Like, they're still based on real things that we all kind of put each other through and go through. And, you know, so 
I, you know, I think I think it's kind of part of it that it's unfair. It's yeah, it is unfair, but it, then hopefully it's healing generation to generation. What's the lesson? Um, maybe I think the lesson is that if your grandmother experienced a genocide, you should actually forgive her uh, for not being perfect. Um, and that's a hot take. I, I do. I genuinely think that. I mean, you're not. I'm. I'm certainly not refuting you, but I do think that 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 take is warm. Yeah. I think I think that having empathy that that is able to see to to be able to be mad at her for what she did but then to also be able to forgive her when you understand the context and also in a nice perfect Disney world where she uh recognizes what she did and apologizes and and, and everything is nice um obviously we don't all get that nice Disney resolution at the end but some empathy for for those things I think was I think was a really nice change of pace and it was it was fun also the song well it's a great film yeah Yeah, it's a it is a bop and I'm not I'm not out here bopping (laughs) generally speaking I'm not on the bops, but I did like these bops. I do think that the anxiety song is better than the Bruno song. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that doesn't seem to be a popular opinion. The Pressure song? Yeah. Everybody yeah. is way more into Bruno than Pressure. I, I, I love them both. They're my two favorite songs I in do the musical. I think my hot take is I, I actually think that Isabella's song is the best one. I, th- I think oh. it's yeah. I think it's it's the it's the most Disney song. It's I think, the most Disney, but it makes me cry because it's so oh. it's so subverted from Disney's usual take, which is that like I I feel like Disney's old take was that the ugly duckling will become beautiful, and this is the opposite of that. It is that the, the yeah. girl who was forced to be perfect gets to be herself. Um, mm-hmm. and I, yeah, I just, I love it. I wish they had been brave enough to show that she's definitely gay. <laughs> I think I, I get that. And I just, I think that, you know, uh, I would have loved that. Sure. But I think that there's just so much, there's so much going on. I, you know what? If this movie was two more hours long and there was like, and yeah. every family member got like their own individual segment, I would really yeah. be happy. Um. Yeah. Great family. We love to see it. Mm-hmm. We're all rooting for them. Yeah. We're glad that they are now thriving in their little mountain pass because this was a documentary. It was a documentary. They're real. Yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> but it's kind of like the village where it's like modern times, but they don't know because of their isolation. Oh, you know, I watched that again recently. It's really bad. Is it? It's I believe you. Really bad. Like I watched it, I don't know, I was sick a couple months ago and I sat on the couch and watched it thinking thinking it would just be like entertaining. Mhm. 
it's not even that. The surprise, the twist that M. Mm -hmm. Night Shyamalan is known for is exposed to the audience in act one of that movie. Yeah. It's revealed so quickly. And it's and it's bad. How does uh and Abel? How does Adrian Brody's performance age? No, bad, uh, bad, bad, bad. I heard he made another even more ableist film recently oh. about like disabled people on an island or something like that. I I did not see it because I don't believe. Oh, in giving... Shyamalan. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That movie. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Let me tell you. Francis watched that movie on an airplane with me. <laughs> And I was watching it without the sound, but I feel like I still got it. But apparently, like, I don't know. It just seems like the worst movie I've, like, there's ever been. Yeah. Like, I could tell the acting was horrendous with no sound. That It is fucking weird. I almost want you to watch it because of how bad it is. Ugh, maybe if I can, I, I might, maybe I'll P word it. What? Just in case the, I'll pirate it. Just being. A... Oh, uh, I don't know. It's probably just on a streaming service. I definitely thought you meant like pussy. <laughs> I did not know. <laughs> I'll just. <laughs> I was just, just really it. struggling. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that would mean ever. I don't but either. I love it. Um, <laughs> so. That's our new catchphrase. Yeah, let's just pussy it real quick. Nice. Um, <laughs> That's the new podcast. New title. podcast title. We've been looking for one. Let's yeah, pussy let's just it. pussy it. Uh, so, so I. This is the overdue homework episode. Yeah, the overdue. And we're kind of like avoiding talking about it, just like one would avoid turning in overdue homework. Uh, I do like that. I do have overdue homework for you, though. Oh, for me? I do. I did overdo homework. I using the let's pussy a voice. I just <laughs> it's too I intimate. Can't help it. I just get so uh, yeah. turned on by overdue homework. Um, Ugh, I wish. Yeah. Okay. I'd be horny every day of my life. So here's what happened. You told yes. me. I told you that there was a comic book based on Jim Henson's oh. Labyrinth. That goes into Jarrett's backstory. Yeah. I have read every single stitch of this fucking comic book. This is my favorite comic book. This it's is so good. better than yeah. the fucking movie. This is, yeah. and it's not just a backstory into like Jareth it's like it's like the whole story of 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 how like the goblin city like started and also like the goblins have backstory yeah that we it's know amazing. the goblins we know uh-huh. have backstory and then there are new goblins that are cooler like a fucking talking rosebush that like okay if you saw labyrinth even one time 
I mean, honestly, not even a prerequisite. This comic is so fucking good. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, I thought I was out of my mind. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, how is this real? Whoever wrote this did a fucking genius job. I say whoever wrote this. I could look it up. I know. We could look it up. But uh, it's genius. Also, the art is incredible. I think the yeah. art, like the, the, the panel art is gorgeous. But like at the end, like all the concept art that they have mm-hmm. done, that's a little bit more like, uh, you know, intricate and detailed is stunning. Like so stunning, like young Jareth and like the ruins of the Goblin City. It's so intense. And the story is so much more complicated to the point where it reinforces our thought that Sarah was kind of a wimp uh, oh, because yeah. this Goblin City terrifying versus yeah. Jareth's Goblin Way City worse. also makes Jareth kind of look like he grows up to be a little wimpy boy because mm-hmm. his Goblin City so easy to get through never mind like this one with literal like like literal tricks and traps and like your like allies that betray you and just so oh my god it's so good it's such a good story it's and I'm incredibly thoughtful like they really thought about it they really did and I think it's amazing I was enjoying it so much as the comics were coming out they were new when we did our labyrinth episode yes but then when we revisited labyrinth recently the comics had gotten to the point where they have the worm. And I was like, all right, I have got to push this fucking comic mm-hmm. <laughs> now that the worm yeah, is here. It, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, I, I, yeah, I don't know what like it was. Well, it was laziness that I, I just did, you know, dysfunction that I just didn't do it uh, at first when you recommended it. But uh, after I came to visit you, I this I get for some reason this is what triggered it. For some reason when I went to visit you and I the that was like the longest plane ride I've ever been on and I was so bored on that plane. So I bought a tablet for the plane ride back. <laughs> yeah. To have like something to like look at. Mm-hmm. Um and I bought a Kindle. So now I have a Kindle, so I bought all the comic books on kindle and they look really good first of all and like it's just like easy to like scroll through them so i I bought them all and read them all and consumed them all so hungrily uh and i love them yeah oh that makes me very happy yeah i'm really i i'm really stoked about it and it's also like it's one of those things where like i kind of feel like i wish i could go back and experience this comic again for the first time mm-hmm. like I, I ha- that's how much I love it um, and I've been dying to tell you but I wanted to tell you the <laughs> I'm so glad I feel like this is like the only homework I've ever given you that you really liked <laughs> I that's not true at all that yeah I guess that's true. not true but it's maybe been a while yeah it's just been a while uh, yeah. but no I love it I love this well listeners it Please go read it if you haven't. Yeah, please read it. It's Look called, at the art. What's it called? Coronation? Yeah, Coronation. Labyrinth Coronation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's a limited run, but it's really solid. It's very solid. And they're all of available in like volumes now. So like you don't have to like mm-hmm. get the individual comic books. You can get yes. like the whole thing in a in a compilation. Yeah. Um which I know is is nice and easy. Uh and yeah, it's so good. <sighs> so that's what I wanted to huh, okay. tell you about. Finally. What kind of what well, kind that of, was good overdue homework. You get an A plus. Thank you. You're welcome. What kind of what kind of what other what kind of homework do you oh. got? Well, I don't know. I told you to tell me what I was overdue on, and you were like, you know, just look. And I am I am lazy and dysfunctional. Oh, and good. I didn't look. Okay. So good, if you good, remind good. me of a topic, I'll tell you what I did. But I don't remember what topics I'm overdue on. Great, 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 great. Okay. Did you watch Jennifer's Body? No. Okay. Okay. I why didn't I do that? That would have been so easy. That would have been very easy. <laughs> I thought we were gonna watch it. Did you watch together? any black sales? There... Yes. Oh, you did? Yeah, I watched a lot of black sales. Oh fuck. Please talk about that. God. God, Please. Diana, it's been so long. I like started watching it immediately after we recorded. Well <laughs> I like it. Okay. I thought it was sometimes it was a little boring. Sometimes it had a little bit of the old like Star Star Wars Senate, sure politicking going on. Sure, that's very very politicky. And sometimes their stories came together in ways that I was like, that seems a little far fetched. Like, did you have that history last season? Because it feels like it would have changed your dynamic last season if we had found out that that was your relationship twenty years ago. But okay, I felt that way sometimes. But I really like the couple the couple yeah you know the couple uh all right you know the couple jack rackham and ann bonnie yes okay so what i thought i was gonna think i thought i was gonna be like i love ann bonnie and like ugh, she's got this annoying guy with her because they got together before she realized she was gay but actually, I like him a lot. I like him on a his lot. own when they start doing their own separate stuff. I like him, yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. And I like their relationship. And I like, I actually like mm-hmm. how their relationship evolves after she comes out. Uh, yes, much better. Did you get to the point where she tells him that she can't ever be his wife? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think after that, their relationship staying as strong as it was before. Is a very, maybe even stronger, like, means a lot to both of their characters individually and together as a unit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I, I love it. Um, I think that if the relationship you are referring to that seems like it wouldn't have existed the same in season one is the one I'm thinking of. I think you should rewatch it because I think like okay. it does it, it does they do seed it um I think very well and very eloquently um mm. for listeners who have not watched Black Sails Black Sails is um is a show that has queer people in it not not at, like super sporadically. There's there there are uh, yeah. quite a few main characters who are um, LGBTQ, um, and 
uh, it was kind of a big deal when this came out that oh, when it was revealed. Oh, and what was interesting, I I have also like learned more about the show since we did that episode. Mm-hmm. I learned so in when I did that episode, I my one complaint that I reported to you is that there is in season one one like sexual assault scene that I feel does not add anything to the plot really they turn it around and like it it is like turned into sort of like a a women supporting women scenario and not like there's no like male savior which I Mm -hmm. always hate but I I did more like learning about the season and apparently when the show aired the season one they were very much trying to compete with game of thrones and tried Uh. to sexualize the show as much as possible yeah that makes and apparently according to the actors on the show the writers were given more freedom after season one was over because the the com- the competition just wasn't happening and so it was not even worth it to try it was better to just go into what they were good at uh yeah. and so it never happens again after that which i had not really noticed i was like usually those shows that lean into those top like those topics mm-hmm. they do it repeatedly over and over again and it never happens again and sort of almost like isn't even like referenced as a as like a traumatic like it's not like leaned into anymore. Yeah. Um and from there on out it just becomes a really like heavy story like just beautiful story based on these like relationships. But I yeah, I I love it a lot. I think that it's interesting to see like the growth of Long John Silver from like a nobody to the sort of like Machiavellian, you know, Mm -hmm. as he climbs uh, in his influence because it happens, it happens pretty slowly. Yes. Like, I don't know how many seasons they thought they would have, but it seems like that arc in a lot of other series would have been within the course of one season, but it really is quite gradual. It is. It's very slow. Yeah, and I and I liked that because it's kind of like you see his ambition growing, growing, and then he hits a wall and he gets like maybe knocked down one peg, and then he kind of has to try to find it somewhere else. Yes, I guess like those little inroads to his own sort of personal form of power um, and influence, and it's just interesting to see how that that weaves around with him. Right, and like he's like a survivor character, right? Like he'll do whatever he can to to stay alive, right? Yeah. Um, but like what's interesting, I guess, is that like his relationships with other characters become the thing that like threatens his ability to survive, which then yes. leads to his villainy, which is what we know of him as a character from Treasure Island. Yeah. From Muppet Treasure Island. Or Muppet Treasure Island. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Not as attractive, like not as sort of uncanny sexuality as in Muppet Treasure Island, but yeah, that's okay. But still, you know, we'll give it to him. 
I'm not going to give it to him, oh, but okay. you can. I, I will. um oh yeah wow oh i'm so glad you did get to watch it yeah i really truly think it's so good that's been a long time like that really takes me back to how overdue the homework is it has been so long that i'm actually like oh i i could do for a rewatch yeah and i I I would highly recommend it honestly like if you can get past the slowness, the slow build of season one and like the kind of because it is true, like as soon as it was pointed out to me that season one was trying to emulate Game of Thrones, yeah. the like slow politic like conversations, the unnecessary like sexual innuendos, like our first encounter mm. with Elizabeth Guthrie, who grows to be one of my favorite yes. characters, is her doing that weird thing where she like like sucks her own fingers and makes like a sexual gesture yeah. for a room full of guys like like so well then doesn't she get like beat up by a guy um yeah did i invent that? that so she that comes way way later and that is oh, okay that is after she betrays is that the guy that was like I remember when you were the hottest 14-year-old and we used to fuck all the time. <laughs> and it's like, maybe you could have fudged that. Maybe you could have said, I remember 10 years ago. And I would sit here and be like, oh, wow, she looks great for 30. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe you could have said that differently. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, that, yes. Uh, Vane, Charles Vane, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. After she betrays him, he, yeah, he does uh kick her ass um and that is you know in front of all these people she does get him killed uh as i you know retribution which is something that upon rewatch like when i first saw it i did not care about the death of charles vane in the way that the show wanted me to uh but when i rewatched it i realized that the show was dealing with something super complex that I was not really like, like media savvy enough to pick up on at the Mm. time. But Elizabeth Guthrie's character as, although she's playing this like kind of girl boss that's taking over the Island for like her, for her father and like trying to like prove herself and whatever she ultimately still stands on the side of england like she Mm. still stands on the side of the colonies and charles vane we learn later on has so much invested in in everything antithetical to that. And mm-hmm. so, like, they have this complicated relationship, but ultimately, like, she's uh, ultimately to them, to, to everyone that's on the side of the pirates, she's on the, she's on the other side. Yeah. I'm going to recommend to you this video by Rowan Ellis. It is, like... It's a long video. It's 100% worth it, worth it. But it is like a video essay breakdown of 
Black Sails and how its storytelling compares to Game of Thrones because they had tried oh. to emulate it. And sure. also how Black Sails came to a satisfying conclusion, whereas Game of Thrones, as we know, Did disappointed not. literally everybody. That <laughs> millions. <laughs> millions millions and people. millions of people. Yeah. I was talking the other night to somebody and like, Marty has maybe had two panic attacks in front of me and one of them was because the Game of Thrones ending was so bad. That's very cute. <laughs> I was just thinking like, does that, would that impact your sexual performance? Like, I get like, you know, obviously super invasive anxiety <laughs> thoughts. And like, if I had disappointed millions of people, would I be able to perform sexually? I'm not sure. Like for the rest of my life, genuinely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder about that with the the showrunners of Game of Thrones. Well, I mean, they were cocky enough to think that they were going to take over the Star Wars universe like a couple of months later. I mean, that too. Yeah. So you I know? don't know. I, I, I know that for you and I, <laughs> yes. we have a healthy... Or maybe unhealthy in the wrong direction relationship yes. to our self-esteem. Uh, there are plenty <laughs> yes. of. There are, I know. There but are plenty of people be. who have too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Was there any other homework? Uh, I didn't have any other homework. That was what I really wanted. To really? Tell you. It was just those two? Well, I, I'm going to hold on to other homeworks for the future. All right. Do you have well more? next time we have next time no, I, I told you I don't even know what the, <laughs> what the episode is. Um All right, I promise next time we do a homework episode, I'll have Jennifer's body. Oh, please. I must have been waiting for something because I get so fixated on things that as soon as we finish an episode, I, I do all the homework like immediately. Yeah. And I, I really remember, like, there was a reason why I was like, oh, I have to hold out for, like, I'll watch it at Halloween, and Halloween is, like, next week I, or something. Yeah, I think it, it was something went. like that. Yeah. 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 Well, good. All right. Bye. Oh, my God, bye? <laughs> no. You... I guess it could be. <laughs> what are you All doing right. after this? I need to cook dinner. Oh, good. Six o'clock. What are you making? I got a cranky old baby. Something quick. Okay, good. Something easy, something quick. What are you doing? Uh, well, it's like kind of early-ish. Uh, I was thinking maybe I might stream, but maybe I will lose motivation as soon as we turn this off. I don't know. I'm going to tell you I think you should stream because your hair looks really good. Thank you. And also the rest of you. Thanks. But like your hair is your hair is striking. I don't know if you have a new lighting situation, but it looks glossy and shiny and beautiful. Thanks so much. Yeah, and you're parting it on the side that I believe I voted for on the internet. Uh, yes, you did. So yes, that is that is acceptable to me. Thanks. <laughs> but I do. I want you to blow it out. I know it's gonna ruin the curl, but I want to see it high femme, like yeah. like Texas realtor, like blippy. <laughs> you know what I look like with that, but I guess it will be long now. I don't because it, it's I don't like know when you like, you like, like that. when you stretch it out, it's gonna be. Like, yeah. No, I think it's gonna look like a different person it is it's gonna be in a way that is hilarious yeah yeah all right i'll do it not that i'm pushing for long hair i just think it'll be funny all right great how different it is <laughs> i'm not not in an ugly way for a joke you know that i'll um, i'll that's do that all i'm asking yeah that's all i'm asking <laughs> all right good well go right. and make some dinner and i mm-hmm. will probably stream oh 
Okay. Bye. Bye. Why did I my mouse? You can find all of our Femsplained content either on patreon.com slash Femsplained. Twitter, you can find us at Femsplainedcast. Instagram, you can find us at Femsplained Podcast. And you can check out superdillon.com slash Femsplained to find the guest form and all of the different places where you can listen and connect with us. Awesome. You can find and follow me, Avalon, at A underscore Cat Attack on both Twitter and Twitch. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, TikTok, and all the places at Super Dylan. And that is D-I-L-L-I-N. Awesome. Thank you so much for your support. Bye. Bye.